title of this episode is The Fall of Kabul. 20 years later, what was it yeah. what was it all for? This past week I and I I don't know I'm pretty sure our listeners knew or know by now that we have withdrawn from Afghanistan. We're out. We're out. Joe Biden and his handlers have clapped out like to do with the blackjack table and walked away. There's a picture on the bottom of the show page of Joe Biden walking away from the podium during a, quote, press conference. We withdrew from Afghanistan after almost 20 years. It's going to be 20 years since September 11th next month. It's 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 not even a month away. It's less than a month away. Yep. I have mixed feelings about this. Me too. I'm also thinking about how my son wanted to join the military. He wanted to yep. he, he wanted to Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard. He didn't know what he wanted to do, but he wanted to join the military. Mm-hmm. And and he probably still does. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how I would feel right now if my son, the artist formerly known as Coppertop, but we all call him Kylo for obvious reasons, if you haven't met the kid. <laughs> um, what if he died in Afghanistan? What if What if he joined the military like he wanted to do as soon as he turned 18? He's 19 now. Went, served our country in Afghanistan, and died was killed by the Taliban forces or an accident or whatever. He got struck by a truck because he didn't look both ways. Who, who the fuck knows? Right. How would I be feeling today, Jay? Well, I can answer that. No one can. I can offer you the perspective of a friend of mine who has served in Afghanistan and Iraq. He is a veteran. He's a friend of mine from high school. And this is a little short thing that he wrote. I shared this on Facebook, and I'm just, I just want to read that right now. The fall of Afghanistan. After 20 years, the forever war comes to a shocking end. For those of us who served in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, as well as other less publicized theaters of operation today, it is a wrenching, sickening day. The days ahead will be even worse for the people of Afghanistan. Was the sacrifice worth it? I don't know. I take solace in these facts. One, Osama bin Laden is dead, and the leadership of al-Qaeda is mostly dead, hiding, or in jail. Two, There were no successful 9-11 scale terror attacks against the U.S. since September 11th. Three, tens of thousands of jihadis were killed, injured, or otherwise kept occupied fighting abroad rather than attacking us at home. Four, an entire generation of Afghan children, particularly girls, were given educations and exposed to the possibilities of the outside world. And five, the Taliban are unlikely to ever allow another attack on the U.S. from Afghanistan. Ultimately, a soldier has only one job, to buy time. We buy time for the diplomats, lawyers, statesmen, and others to find a better solution than war. We buy it with our blood, sweat, and tears, some of us with our lives. We bought Afghanistan and the world 20 years. The ultimate solution was always above our pay grade and out of our hands. We did everything we were asked, we did well, and we turned it over to our leaders to do their part. We can hold our heads high with a clear conscience, knowing we did our duty. That is the sentiment of a soldier. My friend's an enlisted man. He's, I won't get into what he does now, but he's been in theater, as they say, and he was out there. Now, how everyone reacts to this is going to be unique to the individual, to their own experiences when they were abroad, as well as to their experiences growing up. You know, are, are they going to be angry that this wasn't handled well because it wasn't anyone who thinks this was handled well is partisan right and looking at it from purely a political standpoint and not from a positive political standpoint either they're looking at it from the standpoint of this makes so and so look bad because the truth is this makes us as a nation look bad our allies who risked their lives siding with us in their own nation are now in danger for their lives. Within the veteran community, there is a lot of talk about trying to help out the interpreters who worked with us over there because they're first on the list of the Taliban for retaliation. They're going to find them, hunt them down, and kill them. 
Yeah. They are. That's just how it's going to happen. There are disturbing echoes of the video from Kabul and the video from when we left Saigon. Yeah. Oh, that, that's serving that's similarities. There's our there's our, yeah. our our header image for this episode is the picture of the helicopter leaving Kabul, and that picture right. the side by side. This is this and is Vietnam. I'd like to point yeah. out that there's a follow there's follow up pictures to that that are showing people falling off of that plane as they were trying to cling to it when it left, and we know at least one of those falling figures was a child under the age of twelve. Sweet Jesus. So do we look good? Fuck no. Now, Joe Biden, well, Joe Biden can blame President Trump all he wants. And perhaps there's some blame to fall there. I certainly think there is. However, it's August. Joe's been president since January. This could have been organized and handled a lot better. This should have been organized and handled a lot better, or it shouldn't have happened. Did Trump fuck up? Yes. But it's not his accountability for what's happening on Joe's watch. Joe has had at least seven months to figure this shit out and how to do it the right way. And clearly he didn't. So this is not about whether Joe, Joe Biden is a bad president or whether Donald Trump is a bad president. In this, in my opinion, they both fucked up. No, you. there's there's no way you can look at this and not see this as a st- systemic failure of at least four administrations. You cannot look at this and not point the blame. And, I, and I'm trying hard not to fucking cry. Yeah. I'm, I'm really having a hard time with this. Yeah, me too. You look at George W. Mission accomplished Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and now Joe Biden. And we've asked this question so many times on this podcast. What the fuck were we doing in Afghanistan after the capture and assassination of Osama bin Laden? Was it because that was the goal, Jay? That was the that was the goal. Capture and destroy Al Qaeda. End of story. That's it. Kill and capture well, the people who caused September 11th, 2001. And that's it. And we were promised by uh, uh, George W. Bush, we would not nation build. We were not going to be occupiers, Jay. We were not going to be an occupying force in Afghanistan. That was the freaking promise. We were supposed to kill Osama bin Laden, destroy Al-Qaeda, mission accomplished. We were not supposed to be staying there for how many more years? How many years did it take for us to kill Osama bin Laden? Look it up on DuckDuckGo. His mama been laying. Holy fuck. So, let's see. No, no. Seriously. He died 10 years, a little less than 10 years later. He died May 2nd, 2011. On September 2nd, 2011, he was caught, captured, killed in Pakistan. In Pakistan. May 2nd. May 2nd, May 2nd, 2011, he was captured and killed in Pakistan and we remained in Afghanistan for another 10 years and six months. Yeah, we and I'm sure that you've seen the video of what we were working with when we were trying to nation build, when we were trying to build up their their military and and there's the video of our army personnel trying to teach these people how to do jumping jacks and they couldn't fucking do that well yeah but to me the more disturbing video is the one where they're they well it's not a video it's just a uh, a picture they're showing the taliban the people who are kicking us out and inheriting the country from us and every single one of them in the photo that is holding a gun or the majority of them anyway. They have their finger off the trigger and they're holding the gun the same way we train our military to hold the gun. We may have trained those people who are now part of the Taliban military. There's too many words in that sentence, Eric. Go ahead. We did train them. We did train them. This is blowback. Is it blowback or is it kind of the natural progression of things, right? Because what my friend said is it's the job of the military to buy time for negotiations to happen so that there's a better ending 
than war. Part of the problem that we had in Afghanistan, and this is just me bloviating, is we did not have a clear-cut mission. We had an, an objective, which was to kill Osama bin Laden and destroy the the. Uh, um, uh, I've, I've got a I've got Taliban in my head, Al Qaeda. Um, that was what we wanted to do, right? But what was the orders from Congress? What was the declared war from Congress? Who were we declaring war against? Oh, that's right. We didn't declare war. They authorized military force. It was a coordinated military action, whatever fucking phrase that is the one that they choose to use nowadays. It was not war. It'd be hard to tell from anyone right. that was on the ground and their experiences. But what we were engaged in was not a legally declared war. So what we were involved in was a protracted military engagement subject to the political whims of the United States, which by its very nature changes every two to four years. Right. Right. Every time there's a nationwide election, our political whims change and our political objectives change. So the blood that was spilled by our American citizens on that foreign land, as my friend pointed out, ensured that we were not attacked since then. Right. I, and I agree with that. I agree. I That, to me, is the thing that I cling to. We have not been attacked on American soil since we were over there. What's going to happen now? Oh, I don't know. I do know that any of the goodwill that was that we've had over the past 10 years, much of it is gone now. We've made promises to people that we then violated and we abandoned them to their enemies. And I saw something and I saw an article. I guess our State Department is demanding that the Taliban, when they set up their new government, make sure that there's enough women in their government. Uh, yeah, no. Right. Uh, I'm sure that's high on their agenda. First of all, high on their agenda is going to be listening to us and our recommendations yeah uh, yeah no for how they run their country i'm pretty sure that they don't give a fuck about anything our state department says but the rest of the world all of our allies just witnessed us abandoning people we had promised to help as of this moment as of what two days ago three days ago when that happened our foreign policy is a disaster now does that lie at joe biden's feet to some extent, yeah. Does it lie at Trump's feet? To some extent, yeah. Obama, yes. Bush, yes. Obama, yes. Bush, yes. You know, there's plenty of blame to go around. My question is, why did it go down like this? We couldn't have organized better. We've only got one C-130 that can pick people up. No, I mean... What about a C5 Galaxy? We could fit hundreds of people in a C5 Galaxy. So why did we send a C-130? Why did we only send one? And what is going to go through... I saw this online too. What is going to go through the minds of those pilots of that plane when they see the video of people falling off of the plane that they were flying under orders from their government? When you, when you said that there is one of the people who fell off that plane was nine years old. Yeah, as a child, I don't know how old, but yeah. My son, one, both of my sons were nine years old once. Yeah. And, and having children, having a family changed me. I'm not the callous prick that I was 20 years ago. That's, yeah. That is somebody's Alan or Harrison. Yeah. I can't imagine if... if Everybody was watching video of my plant, my son falling off of a, a plane. I don't. I, I, I would be unconsolable. I would be suicidal. Yeah. I can't imagine how. I no. I can imagine how awful that is. Because the things kids have accidents. Eric. Yeah. Eric, I'm gonna throw this on on its head a little bit. You put him on that plane because you were afraid of what would happen to him if he didn't oh my get God. on. Oh my God! Why the fuck? These would... people are afraid. They are horrified about what is going to happen to them, because they know they've been told in no uncertain terms what is going to happen to them when the Americans leave. Because I bet that they remember what happened twenty years ago. Well, not just that, but when they're interpreting, 
and they're with the military, or the U.S. military, do you honestly think that the people on the other side of that table aren't looking at them saying, you better pray that they never leave here? There are so they know. There are so yeah. many. There are so many reasons why this story is so damn disturbing. Yeah. And I and I don't even know where to begin, Jay. I I I honestly don't know where to begin. And I am sick to my stomach thinking about this right now, Jay. Um, yeah. from the from the Vietnam aspect of this. We haven't learned shit. We haven't learned shit. And about when the move, when Steven Spielberg's movie, The Post was released, I went back and I read the book about the Pentagon Papers by Daniel Ellsberg. Mm-hmm. It's an important movie. You got to go and watch it. And, the th- and when it turned out that Robert McNamara was working with the Rand Corporation that was um doing all of these studies about the viability of winning the Vietnam War for history's sake, for future history's right. sake. Does that make any sense? So historians can yeah. look back and, and and learn from our mistakes. Right. And I have this tear running down my face right now. I'm sorry if it's I'm... okay. No, you're good. The Pentagon knew from as early as perhaps 1964 or 65, Vietnam was un winnable it was a it was a zero-sum game it was unwinnable because so many of the people in vietnam were against us it was a civil war between north vietnam and south vietnam and they were just fighting over identity and ideology um and their alliance with china was okay Go ahead. Hold on. Go ahead. I, I want to. I want to throw one one little kink in your work sure. here. Vietnam was absolutely winnable, yeah, but not in the way that would be acceptable, right, to the government, the United States government, and the American people. Okay. The only way to win the Vietnam War was basically genocide. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about people who are looking for their own national identity, the only way to end it is by reducing their ability to have a national identity, and that is not something that we as Americans would embrace. We're, we're, we were not prepared to... Well, the com- reasons why we got into the war very convoluted, right? And I'm far from an expert on the subject, so I, I don't want to particularly bloviate on it either. But some things that happened on American soil were very telling and had consequences on Vietnamese soil, right? Yep. First of all... There was the, the 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 flower power movement, the hippie movement, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. That was just against war of any kind, right? And they were mistreating veterans who came back with PTSD who had issues, right? You had that going on. That fostered a really large growing sentiment against our reasons for being there. And because of the nature of American politics with our two to two to four at the most eight-year kind of cycle of our politics, that meant blame was being thrown. Yep. Right? It wasn't – there was really – in my looking at history, that was like the beginning of the divide between the, where it started the us versus them. It then got exacerbated in the 80s and then 90s. It got even worse, right? Yeah. So you also had the politicization of our news media. That's really when our news media started going left wing and combining reporting of the facts with editorialization. When I think – who was it? Walter Cronkite? Yeah. I forget who it was. Reported that we lost the 10 offensive. That was a lie and he knew it when he said it. We did not lose the 10 offensive. We won. However, you have a military that's fighting a war where the leadership itself is like – dubious about why we're there, what our objectives are, and what the goal is to win. Because again, just like the problem we had when we went into Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, why the hell are we there? What is our purpose? We're not in a war with a clearly declared objective, like defeat Germany. We're in a protracted military engagement. The war, the lesson we should have learned 
from Vietnam we didn't learn because of political reasons. Congress does not want to release any of their power. They just don't. They're indifferent. We were in Vietnam for so long because Congress didn't want to unleash the hounds of war of the United States military. And then you had the increased technology that allowed people sitting in their living rooms to see some of the horrors of war. Yeah. How bad war really freaking looks. I mean, it is freaking right. horrible. And again, the lesson we should have learned from that as a society was not learned. Instead of learning the lesson that we should avoid war whenever possible, because look how fucking awful it is. We started saying our military is awful. We started blaming the wrong people for atrocities that were committed. Now, that doesn't say that everyone in the military is an angel because they aren't. No. There's plenty of assholes. There's plenty of war crimes and atrocities committed by American troops. You can say that about every other military that has ever existed as well. There is not a country in existence or has ever existed that had a military that did not commit some form of war crime as we define them now. It's nature of the beast, which is why war should be avoided as much as possible until such a time comes when there is no other recourse than engaging in war. In which case, like my friend said, it is the job of the military to buy us time to have a better solution brought about. But that's not what we learned from Vietnam. That's not what we as a society are learning now. Look at the news stories now. Are they talking about how war is bad and how in the future we should do it differently? No, not at all. There's Who do too we much blame? Fucking finger pointing going Who on. Who do we blame? Yeah. Who's to fault? Right. Let's let's figure. Oh, this let's... is Trump's fault. This is this is Biden's fault. This is that's what's going on right now. Well, here's the problem, Jay. How the fuck is this only Trump's fault? Well, that's just it. How, it's not. How it's is not just Trump's fault? It's not just Biden's fault. It's both of them. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something, and I and I know it's gonna sound controversial, and I'm not trying to squeeze the Kennedy assassination in here because it's my favorite topic. But the thing is, how can we look at what happened with Vietnam? JFK said, this is fucked, we're out. And according to Kennedy assassination conspiracy theorists, better people than myself on this topic, say that one of the reasons why the establishment wanted JFK to die was because we had already spent all of this money revving up for this war in Indochina and if we withdrew from Vietnam, these people would le- lose a butt ton of money. These people would lose l- billions of dollars back in 1960s uh, economy. Um, well, that this is where we start well, let, let kind me, of going off the rails. Let, right? let me, let me, fin- let me finish here. Okay. Yeah, so, so the thing is, is that as far as what happened in Vietnam, I believe JFK is blameless. I think Jack Kennedy said the right thing this is a civil war we got to get the fuck out of there because it's only gonna they're gonna bring us down with them and so johnson and his war profiteer friends revved up vietnam to atrocious freaking levels so we had johnson nixon and gerald ford was the guy who said well this is it we're out we're done Gerald Ford said, this is, this is it. This is enough. We spent too much time and money in Vietnam. We're out. You cannot look at Vietnam and the atrocities committed in Vietnam and look at how we, we wasted and squandered a generation in a place that we had no business being in, 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 a, in a very unpopular war with absolutely no benefit to us except for the war profiteers. And, I, and I'm standing by that, Jay. You look at the same. Well, th- no, okay. We look well, at. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. No, no, no. Go ahead. We look at what happened in Afghanistan. The clear cut objective in the very beginning was capture and kill Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda to prevent another September 11th. All right, so part of that I agree with, part of that I don't. The objective as as stated to the American public was that, but what were the orders given to the military? Because that's all that really matters in war. You can lie to the American public all you want, 
But what you tell the military to do is going to determine the outcome of the action that they're engaged in. And if our only objective was to kill Osama bin Laden, why were we anywhere? We didn't know where he was. No, our objective was to destroy al-Qaeda and uh, this rather ambiguous declaration that we're engaging in a war against terrorism, which is a a method of combat. It's a method of of social, social conflict, right? You can't engage in a war against that any more than you can get engaged in a war against poverty or war against drugs, right? So our objectives as defined to the military were not so clear. And that was on purpose, right? Just like with Vietnam. Why were we engaged in Vietnam? France asked us to join because France was having a problem with one of their colonies. And people forget that. We were involved in Vietnam because of France, but also because of the massive military industrial complex, saw an opportunity to make a shit ton of money. And they did. Now, did they kill Jack Kennedy because of that? I don't know. Makes sense to me. Right. Right. In, in a in a very perverse, twisted, sick sort of way. It, it makes sense that, you know, you've got a popular president who's talking about ending the war. Well, we can't have that. So what exactly was the point of us getting involved as much in the Middle East as we did? The point of that was to take on and establish, take on what we saw as problems over there and establish the fact that we didn't want them thinking they can take us on without consequences. We certainly proved that, but we also proved to the rest of the world that when it's convenient, politically expedient for us on our side of the aisle, within our own internal politics, to abandon people, we will, without hesitation. And that, to me, is wrong. I mean, what what are those people who are over there who risk their lives on our behalf going to do now? They're going to die They're going to... because we have abandoned them. Yeah. How can you, and how can you not be ashamed and embarrassed by that? Seriously, oh, I am. Yeah, how I, can... I definitely am. I'm not. I'm not happy with how that things ended up resolving out there. How could anyone be? You know, it's when I saw those photos. A friend of mine from work who served in Afghanistan, he and I started texting. And in typical veteran fashion, it was all gallows humor. Yeah. But at the same time, both of us were saying the same thing. We fucked up. This is our generation's Vietnam. It really is. Oh, yeah. This This is the moment when we realize we did the wrong thing for the wrong reasons and we failed at consequences for this years down the line. Assuming we learned the proper lessons. We didn't learn them with Vietnam. We as this country did not learn the proper lessons from Vietnam that we should have. Yeah. Are we going to do better than our than our parents' generation? No. Are we going to learn the proper lessons? My confidence is not high. No. No. And I'm looking at my son's generation. And it was just like, what's going to be their Vietnam? We're not fucking we're not learning shit. We didn't learn well, No, we're not. We're, but we, we can. We could. We could. Jay, we could. But we're also talking about human nature here. Right. Because the thing is, it, it was just like when I was five or six years old, there was a, there was an image on the television. And, I'll, I, and I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. And yet I remember it as if it was 46, 45 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I remember when I was living in West Brattleboro, we used to live in this little area called it was a little apartment complex built along the side of the hill in its heyday it was beautiful i don't know what it looks like now Mm -hmm. but we had these like these beautiful two-story apartments like right up against each other in these these long buildings that were and it it sort of like had this like vermont's idea of a swiss chalet condominiums low-income housing i guess Okay. And it was it was a it was a, a beautiful place to be a kid for a couple of years because it was a close knit neighborhood. But there was these kids, there were these grown ups, these adults that were my son's age now, twenties and thirties, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, back then, uh, late teens, early twenties, early thirties, mm-hmm. and we were taught to keep away from these people, keep away from these men. 
give them space. Don't bother mm-hmm. them. Stay away. And there's one guy who was just like, he was just sitting on the porch, just drinking beer. And I just like ran up to him and I said, hi. And he just said hi back. And we started talking and my mom called me away and I ran away from him. And I was like supposed to be, I don't know why I was supposed to be afraid of, of these people. These are like, right. these were kids who were returning back from Vietnam. A couple of weeks later, alone in this empty apartment, he blew his fucking brains out in in a room that was in, in the same place in his apartment where my bedroom was in our apartment. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that, and that freaked me out. It was my bedroom, but in a different apartment. Right. Same location though. And I'll never forget the smell. And because yeah. it happened a couple of days ago and the dried blood has a, and the, when there's lots of it, it smells like a jar of pennies, but it's very strong. Yeah. It's very rancid. It's like a combination of jar of a jar of old pennies and wet dog. Yeah. And the weird freaking pattern on the wall. And we didn't remember his name. Who, who was he? And he was kind to me for a minute. And I ran away from him because I was taught to be afraid of him because he returned back from Vietnam. And I, and I must have been only like maybe four or five at the time. Do you, have you ever heard or have you ever seen... People talking about 22 a day. Yeah. Yeah. I was. That's the number of servicemen that commit suicide in the past two years. I had a friend. 22 yeah. of our returning servicemen commit suicide. Now, why do they do that? It's different for everyone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why was Chris Kyle killed by that one guy? Because he had PTSD, because blah, 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 because whatever. Because we're failing them. We send them over there. We tell them to do something. They come back. Some of them have are coming back to people who miss them dearly. Some of them are coming back to change situations. They're leaving their families for a year. You know how many people get cheated on while they're serving the country? More than half. They come back and their spouse is, spouse is greeting them instead of with a big smile and a kiss with divorce papers. Half? More than half? Less than half? A, a good chunk anyway. Good I, chunk I don't know anyway. the exact number but certainly more than deserve it. What was it? I mean, and getting back to another issue here, and I'm talking about the cost. Let's, yeah. let's, let's go back to about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on who you listen to in, in regards to this, we were about to have Tulsi Gabbard come over to our house, my house, the house that I share with mm-hmm. Carol and I, and we mm-hmm. were going to record an episode of the podcast, News of the Week with Jason Cousineau, here live. We were going to record it live. Yep. And you had some amazing questions for her, and a lot of them had to do with the Pentagon Papers that had just been released a day or two before that Saturday or Sunday. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. which. It was. A, I think it was a Saturday. And yeah. because of what was released in the Afghanistan papers, pardon me, not the Pentagon papers, the Afghanistan papers. And it was, it, it, it was almost, it was the, the parallels between the Pentagon papers and the Afghanistan papers. Yeah. Was eerily similar. And because right. she was still a Congresswoman, she had been called away for, to, for a teleconference in a secure location. That was one of the reasons why she couldn't do the podcast with us. Right. And, I, and, and still, to this day, I'm brokenhearted over the fact that we didn't do that episode with her. I think it could have been the best episode or the worst, depending on. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the entire aspect of it, of, of all of her talks and everything that she had said about Afghanistan, we got to leave Afghanistan, but we got to do it right. Because we right. were spending... I, she said something like, I don't remember if it was $2 billion a month or $3 billion a month, but it was billions. It was a disgustingly high it's number. It's disgusting. I'm looking at this other news item here, and I'm trying to see if I can find it really quick. Forbes, Afghanistan war cost America $3 million a day for 20 years. Jesus. The New York Times. I'm going to talk about the New York Times. This is published back in December 9th, 2019. I think this is right around the time when Tulsi Gabbard was going to um, be here and record an episode with us. 
What did the U.S. get for $2 trillion in Afghanistan? I'm sure that that price tag is more than just a $2, $2 trillion. Um, yeah. It's in it the, is pe- well two, two and now. a half. Two and a half. Um, Al Jazeera published this April 16th. Um, the U.S. spent $2 trillion in Afghanistan. So uh, Al Jazeera is asking, what, what, what? What the fuck? What yeah. the fuck did we get this? And the thing is, is that the people who live in 90% of the people who live in Afghanistan live on less than $2 a day. We spent $2 trillion in Afghanistan and these people still live on only less than $2 a day. What the fuck did we do for the Afghanistani people for $2 trillion over the course of 20 years? U.S. News has this article it's like they do a breakdown of where all of that money allegedly went time magazine published this article three i'm sorry 83 billion dollars spent on army that helped the taliban i don't trust any of those i think that they are the the right questions we should be asking i just don't think i trust the sources well, first of all, I, I don't trust the sources, but even if those numbers are right, I don't trust those numbers, right? Because the military, and when I say the military, I don't mean any particular branch. In, in general, the military budget is, I want to say, artificially bloated, right? Like we've we've discussed this before. You know, back when we were younger, there was the, the infamous saw that um, – you know, the military spends $7,000 on a hammer. No, it doesn't. It does not spend $7,000 on a hammer. It's spending that money elsewhere in areas that it's not going to tell you it's spending them, right? Um, covert plans for new technologies and all of that. That's where it's really spending that money that then equates as it goes down because they don't want to actually declare it as such. That's where you get that figure of, you know, $2,000 or $7,000 for a hammer, three, $4,000 for a toilet seat, whatever the fuck it is, right? That's what's really happening. And everyone in the government knows it. You know, anyone who spent time in the military knows it. Anyone who, if you spend enough time thinking about it, it just makes more sense that that is how that money is actually being spent right but we go through this charade of of politeness when we talk about things we go through this this masquerade this grotesque masquerade that you know we spent all of this money on militaries and armies in these foreign lands and we didn't get anything for it well did we did we not get anything for it they used to say that the war in Afghanistan and Iraq was all about oil. Well, then where's the fucking oil? Yeah, how come we're, you know, sp- we- how, how come we're spending $3 a gallon on gasoline right now when it was a dollar cheaper? Three? Like, we're spending only three? We're spending only three here in New England. It was, a, it was $2 last year. Okay, so it was $2 last year. It's $4 now where I'm at. And then people say, well, how come you don't like Biden? Well, because when Trump was president, I was spending a lot less money on on gas. And because I was spending less money on gas, my milk costs less. My eggs cost less. Everything I bought from the store costs less, right? But regardless of all that, when we look at what we got from our actions over there, is we have Afghanistan's falling off of airplanes as they're trying to escape the Taliban. And we don't have Americans jumping out of buildings that have been hit by planes right like what happened infamously on september 11th exactly now is that a callous statement to make absolutely it absolutely is where's your proof of that well when's the last time you saw a picture of september 11th on any media that wasn't posted by someone private like on facebook when someone posted it's one thing when was the last time? Think back on this on this past September 11th. Did you see any images, any at all, of the burning towers? No. Well, wait. No, I take that back. On no. the media, on yeah, the mainstream media, newspapers, television media. Did you see any images? I believe I. I'm trying to remember really hard if whether or not these are images. Am I remembering the back only- to different, um, different uh, uh, anniversaries? 
or am I right. am I literally thinking about like what what was what was the cover story on CNN and Fox News on September eleventh, two thousand twenty? Because it was only the nineteenth anniversary. I think that for the twenty, I mean, and we're seriously, we are literally weeks away from the twentieth anniversary. anniversary. I, I honestly, Jay, I'd like to think that on the on the front page of every news outlet there was something i i remember there being memorial services on september 11th i remember the pictures of the memorial services right but you know for for crying out loud jay i honestly i just i'm i'm honestly struggling to try and remember if whether or not did we forget about september 11th 2001 and what was last what was year? the slogan what was the slogan I w- on September 11th. Never forget. <laughs> I'm sorry to be laughing about that. Well, no, it's 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 important that we recognize that, though. We, we claimed we would never forget. We we also claimed we wouldn't abandon those people that helped us, and yet we did. That's exactly what we did. When Bush left office and Obama took over, we stopped seeing images of September 11th. Now, I don't think that was a mandate pushed down by the Obama administration. I really don't. I think it was just an editorial sort of tacitly agreed upon by all of the media. Fox News held out longer than the other ones as to be expected, right? But we didn't see anything like that. And then Obama killed bin Laden. Remember that? Yeah. Those those pictures of a very tense-looking Obama sitting there waiting to hear back on what was going on on the ground, Right. We saw those pictures. We didn't see any images of September 11th, though. Yeah. When that was going on, they just showed us the importance of Obama. So they've taken our focus off of it, right? So when we talk about, and according to the math I just did, if we spent that much money, what, the $3 billion a day in the past 20 years, that's over $7 billion, right? That we've spent in Afghanistan or fighting the war. And in all honesty, we do not have images of Americans jumping out of burning buildings that have been hit by airplanes. And for me, okay. Yeah. That's acceptable to me. Am I upset about how things fell out when we, when we, let's face it, we ran out of Afghanistan. That was not an orderly retreat. If it was an orderly retreat, you would not be seeing the images we're seeing. And that's an organizational failure. Either our military fucked up or they were given orders that they didn't want to follow, but followed them anyway, whatever. Some of it falls on the military. Absolutely, right? Some of it is probably Trump's fault. Some of it's probably Biden's fault. Some of it's probably Congress's fault. There's a lot of failure to go around, but the truth of the matter is it doesn't fucking matter. It's a failure, right? So when you ask me the cost, is the money worth it? I say yes. We haven't been bombed. We haven't been attacked. We haven't seen a field go up in flames No, as a plane goes down in it. So as far as I'm concerned, yes, it's worth it. It may be callous. It may be short-sighted, whatever. But as my friend said in his post, yeah. they were so occupied with fighting us over there, they didn't have any opportunity to try and kill us over here. And as someone like when I was in the Coast Guard, we we didn't fight wars. We didn't fight battles like that. We had a saying in the Coast Guard, you have to go out, you have to come back. When the call came in, you had to go out and try and save someone's life. And if the cost of trying to save that life was the loss of your own, that was an acceptable cost. So from my perspective, was the millions of dollars that we spent over there, overseas, and the blood that we spilled, was it worth it? Yeah. Did they deserve, did that blood loss deserve better on how we left? Absolutely. But the fact remains is that we've, us being over there saved American lives. Or do you firmly believe that had we not gone over there, they would have said, we have proven our point to the infidel. We will attack them no more. Right. That was not, that was never going to happen. My, my whole thing is that if you could go back in time mm-hmm. and you could say, we're going to spend 2 or $3 trillion in occupying Afghanistan for 20 years and hundreds of thousands 
of American servicemen are going to die or be permanently injured physically, mentally, spiritually Mm -hmm. to prevent another September 11th, 2001. Is that the price that we're going to want to pay? I don't know if people are going to say yes, Jay. Well, let me ask you this. How many, do you know how many people died during the training for the D-Day invasion? Oh, I'm sure it was quite a few. Just one day of training, they lost over 12,000 men. Jesus. In one day of training for the D-Day invasion. That was a quote-unquote training accident. How much money in today's value did we spend fighting World War II? Nowadays, when we talk about the Nazis, we talk about the concentration camps and the atrocities and the Holocaust, right? They didn't know that. They didn't no, they know did not about know that. that. They did we not planning, know. Right. When yeah. we were planning the D-Day invasion, we did not know that. I specifically remember it was the 101st Airborne mm-hmm. who was one of the first one yeah. of the first American groups to actually see what was going on at the concentration camps for the very first time. Um there's right. no, there's there was no way that we would have known. I mean, there's I, and are we trying to second guess history? So, are we trying to second guess well, history? That Jay? is exactly what we're doing. What would have happened had we not responded how we did? What would have happened? I think only a because fool if, would if say. if we didn't respond, right, if we didn't respond, um, if we didn't respond in military fashion after September 11th, what would they have done? We don't know. But 3,000 dead didn't generate the response they wanted. They would have gone for something bigger, right? So you can, we can ask that question with the luxury of hindsight. And I would still say if you had told me that on September 12th, you had said, we're going to spend over $7 billion. It's going to cost us somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 lives of American soldiers. And in addition to that, there will be all sorts of pain and suffering, those coming back. I would look back on World War II and on the men and women who served in World War II. They called it shell shock then. They didn't call it PTSD. How many veterans, they didn't track how many veterans killed themselves after World War no. II. They didn't do it after Vietnam either. And we know that number was pretty high. So can if you were to ask me that question on September 12th, I would absolutely say yes. Because the thing that people forget is not everyone who died on September 11th was an American. Right. There was, I want to say it was almost 10% of the people who died just in the attacks on the World Trade Center. Roughly 10% of the dead were people from other countries who were here either visiting or on a visa, they were working here or whatever. Roughly 10% of the people that died. If people have no respect for life and you can't negotiate with them, your options for dealing with them are pretty limited. Yeah. I'm still struggling with the sense of loss, Jay. Yeah. And I hear and I heard everything that you said. You had my absolute, total, undivided attention. Your, your, what you say makes plenty of sense on an intellectual level. Right. I'm looking at this, and I'm, I'm, we have had no terrorist attack by the Taliban or Al-Qaeda here in the United States for almost 20 years. Who the fuck knows what they're going to try and do on the 20th anniversary? Okay. Well, but, yeah. And, and I know this sounds cold and callous. Looking at just Afghanistan, we bombed the fuck out of Afghanistan. We took over that country. We turned it upside down, inside out, and then we rebuilt it by what you and your friends said, trying to buy time for the politicians. Yeah. Right? We, get, we went in there, we destroyed it, we rebuilt a section of it, we rebuilt schools. Um, downtown Kabul, parts of downtown Kabul look like downtown Nebraska, okay? Look yep. like any American suburb in the world. We did everything that we could to help these people. And then suddenly we say, oh, time's up, and then we fucking left. We abandoned the, our allies there. The people who were supposed to be our friends, we were there to help. We, we f- literally abandoned them to the wolves, to the Taliban. We turned our backs on them and we fucking fled. Now, I would have to say that if we left under better circumstances, 
I would say that it would be worth it. But I think all we've done is we just, we only bought time. We gave, we had 20 years. We've postponed whatever was going to happen by 20 years. We bought time with all of these hundreds and thousands of lives and trillions of dollars. I'm going to say the answer is no. What we, I'm not saying that it wasn't worth all that time, money, and effort and lives to prevent another terrorist attack. But Afghanistan, I don't think Afghanistan is any better now than it was. Okay, today, the Taliban has not had enough time to turn things back the way it was. I would say that in a year or two, Afghanistan is not going to be any better than it was 20 years ago. I think it might actually be worse because of all the retribution the Taliban is going to do to our allies who are still there. I think that in a year or two, Afghanistan could quite possibly be worse because of our involvement. Um, I think that America might be all, we might be fine. We might be good. We might not have another terrorist attack because the, um, the Islamic terrorists might say, if we attack America, they're going to bomb the fuck out of us and I'll occupy us again for another 20 years. We don't want that again, do we? I, I think that well, occupying, that's what, we hope anyway. that's what we hope. But did we, did we just sacrifice hundreds of thousands of young men from the United States to save a couple of thousand civilians here, here at home? from another terrorist attack. I don't know. Who knows Who knows what they could have done? Who knows what would have happened if Al-Qaeda got their hands on a dirty bomb? Do you remember like the anthrax attacks after September 11th, the terrorists, the, every time that there was, every time that there was a car crash or, a, or, a, or a, a plane crash, if there was any kind of disaster whatsoever, and, you know, if a bridge fell apart because um, it, it, it because lack of maintenance or care every, for two or three years after September 11th, everything bad happened. We always wondered, was it Al Qaeda? Was this Al Qaeda? Was this Al Qaeda? Yeah. There are people if you stubbed your toe in the middle of the night while walking <laughs> to the bathroom, did Al Qaeda move that 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 couch? I mean, we were living we were living in terror. Yeah. Every time we turn around, is this the day that they're going to have another terrorist attack? I'll never forget the way I felt at the day after September 11th. I'll never forget how I felt when I woke up on September 12th, 2001. I felt as if the world literally changed. And I was worried as I was driving to work that we're going to live in a police state. And I remember it, I think it took them two years to not have a story on the New York Times about September 11th, 2001. Right. It dominated the news. Kids these days have no idea. Well, no, but our kids, another consequence of that, though, was our kids grew up in a very politically charged environment. You know, and like people who complain about... Um, Millennials these days, blah, 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 whatever. They grew up in a much more politically charged environment than we did. Yeah. You know, even after Vietnam, right? Because you and I were born while we were still in Vietnam. Yep. You know, um, I do sometimes look back on that time frame. Like I remember I remember calling my ex-wife and telling her that, you know, hey, you got to get because we didn't have a television you gotta you gotta go to a television and she she drove to walmart of all places and they were actually showing the news on in walmart instead of those stupid video um you know presentation shit that they do yeah. to try and sell televisions they actually had the news on and for one brief moment the world and the united states were completely united in denigrating that attack the only people celebrating were people in Muslim countries who hated us. Oh, yeah. And not everyone in Muslim countries was celebrating. That's an important thing to know because sometimes we forget about that's, that. That's an, that's an important distinction, Jay. Yeah. So we as a world were united by an atrocity as a way – in a way that only atrocities can unite people, right? I wonder now what's going to happen in the future. The political – this is – we can say everything we want about al-Qaeda and all that other kind of shit. But the truth is 
what happened earlier this week is only going to affect our allies and the way they look at us and the way they treat us. There are consequences to what happened that we have no idea what they are yet. We will learn it in the years going forward. Whether or not we will correctly attribute them remains to be seen. But it's going to be, this is going to be something that historians are going to look at completely differently than we do. Because they'll have the the fortune of hindsight and being able to follow the, the trail of breadcrumbs that is history going back to, well, that was the day when the world realized that they couldn't trust the United States to uphold their end of any, any bargain they made. That was the day that, you know, um, Americans started losing confidence in their government. Whatever it ends up being, we're going to look back on that day and re- and see it as a turning point. Some of us see it as a turning point now, and I, I still stand behind that. I still think right. yeah. that this is a, going to be a turning point. It's going to be interesting to see how how that changes us, how that affects us. And also looking back. Right. You remember how we just how uh, how, how the left hated George W. Bush. He was yep. he was is reviled the right word? Yeah, no it is. The village in Texas is missing its idiot. I mean just the the most disgusting things that people could say. They said it without any, without any pause, without any, any self-restraint. And I'm not saying that George W. Bush was a freaking hero. He was not a messiah the way so many Republicans thought he were, was. But I mean, he, I mean, he was loathed by people on the left to such a, an irrational level that it was, it was embarrassing. You mean kind of like Trump? Exactly like Trump, the way that the left hates Trump. And in retrospect, they long for the days of of George W. Bush. What's going to happen 20 years from now when we're looking at the 40th anniversary of September 11th, 2001, and we're looking at the 20th anniversary of the fall of Kabul? Are we going to like look back? Are we going to like look back at Donald Trump and say, oh, he Donald Trump wasn't that bad. He was a wonderful president. He, I was proud to be a Trump supporter. I, right. No, no. Because the thing is, oh man, I, because you, I mean, people have short memories. We have, well, it depends on what comes up between then and now, right? What happens between then and now is going to determine our, our view of history going back, right? So are there people who are, I mean, there's people now that are like, yeah, I was proud to support Trump, you know? Me personally, I didn't vote for him, but I also did not vote for Biden. And I feel much about Biden the way I felt about Trump. Not my dude. Yeah. Not my dude. Yeah. You know, um, but what, what, where do we go from here? Where, what's next on, on the horizon for the United States? Those are the things that I, I think about more and I wonder about is where, where are we going to be in five years, in 10 years, in six years? Um, I sent you something yesterday. I sent you a statistic. And if I mispronounce that word, take a shot. We were talking about this and we were talking about how, um, how, much, how, many, how much time passed between the Soviets oh, leaving yeah. Afghanistan to the collapse of the Soviet Union. It was right. a mere 1,040 days. Right. 1,043 days between February 15th of 1989 and December 25th of 1991. So from when we left Afghanistan, it's going to be June 8th, 2024. That's 1,043 days. In the time that it took, and also keep in mind, they had Chernobyl. It's yeah. like the Soviet Union had to deal with Chernobyl and their withdrawal of Afghanistan. And people, there are so many historians who say that the Soviet Union's involvement in Afghanistan is largely responsible for the collapse of the Soviet Union. You and I don't agree on this, Jay. I honestly yeah. don't think you and I agree on this. I think that those trillions of dollars that we spent rebuilding Afghanistan 
should have gone to rebuilding the United States. But at the same time, I don't know how we could have prevented another September 11th. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think could we have spent that money elsewhere? Could we have spent money better? Absolutely, I'll agree with that. But would I rather we still live in fear of getting attacked? Absolutely not. So I, I think the money spent was worth it. It's not the only way we could have spent the money. It may not even have been the best way to spend the money. But I don't regret it. God, I don't agree with you on this. But I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the alternative is. Well, yeah, and that's that's the hard part, right? What would the world look like now had we not spent that money? What would the world be like? It's all speculation. We don't know. Would it be better? Would it be worth? Worse? No clue. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I honest, I honestly, I honestly don't know what to tell you. I sincerely don't know what to tell you other than I don't agree with it being yeah. worth it. I don't think that occupying Afghanistan for 10 more years or 10 and a half more years after the capture of, of Obama was worth it. Osama. The NSA is going to come crashing in. And I, and I, and I, and I know that you, I, I know that you got to wrap this up. This is, here's the thing. This is painful. This is a painful news item to have to cover. This is pain. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the most difficult topics we have ever covered. And you and I don't agree on what should have been done about Afghanistan. Right. I honestly, I honestly don't know what to say about this. But the thing well, is, is like, Jay, we have roads and bridges and buildings. Our infrastructure here in the United States is falling apart here in the United States. We have been in this rapid state of decay for the past 20 years. I can point at something like the, like the, the drinking water in Flint, Michigan. Yeah but, yeah, but that that would have happened regardless of whether we were in Vietnam or art Vietnam. Jesus. Regardless of whether we were in Afghanistan or not. A lot of those roads were already crumbling. I know. But the trillions It's not of like we took money from one bin and put it into another bin and that's why our infrastructure is crumbling. Our incompetent leadership is why our infrastructure is crumbling. I think that with all the deficit, no, I here I'll I'll give this caveat. Okay, we we can find all the money we want and all the money we need for war, but whenever it comes to our own infrastructure or our own health care or child care or taking care of people in our own borders, how are we going to afford it? I think maybe you well, got me on that, that part. Yeah, because that's there's a bin there that we have to take from somewhere else. That's why those things always seem to be running out of funding. And it's funny because you, you know you see these people who will, they'll post things like, "Wouldn't it be great if the if schools had all the money they ever wished and hoped for, and the military had to run bake sales to be able to afford their bullets?" Well, no, because you wouldn't be speaking English now. You'd be speaking German or whatever, you know, Yeah. whatever fucking country is it take us, takes us over. Our education system is shit no matter how much we throw at it, not because we're not throwing enough money at it. It's because our education system is shit. There's a lot of things we could do that may or may not fix it, but there's direct consequences when you don't spend the money on defense, right? Yeah. Now – I'm a veteran, so that's going to color my thinking on this. A lot of people I know are not going to agree with me on this, and that's fine. That actually, I think, is a good thing. People should not necessarily be agreeing with me on this. I recognize that my position is a bit further off the mainstream on this particular topic. I get that. I acknowledge that, and I'm not going to apologize for it, right? Nor, nor should you. Right. It just like I don't think you should apologize for your position that you don't think the money that we spent over there was worth it. That's fine. We can disagree and still remain friends. You know, something that is getting increasingly rare in our society, but that's a topic for a whole other podcast. So Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. 
follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Fedora Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>